Welcome to the American Mutsu Show. My next guest has been doing this for a very long time. Joel Skousen. Do you guys know the Skousen family when it comes to like freedom and the entire library that their family has written for decades and decades? He's a believer. He's a, an author. He is a patriot. Uh, he has been warning probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people over the last several decades about what's coming talks about the deep state he has so many books written about preparation strategic relocation is one of them current threats globalism he has another book secure home in fact when he was 17 years old he started to put this together and helped people build secure homes which he'll talk about uh, when he was 17 years old um, he has another book high high security shelter and so i i have been trying to get him for a very long time and he's finally here Welcome, Joel Skousen. What can I say about Freedom Blend Supplements, says Bryce Hansen? Well, they are a game changer. They have helped my focus, energy, and alertness. My body feels youthful again and gives me the energy to keep and play with my son as long as he wants to now. I'm sleeping better, feeling refreshed in the mornings, which is very welcome surprise because sleeping has always been a challenge for as long as I can remember. Thanks, Eric and Freedom Blends, for your amazing product and the American pride it brings as well. So when Bryce says, thank you for your amazing product and the American pride it brings as well, that's exactly what it is we've got pro-life protein we've got sleep off socialism we've got freedom fuel that's our number one product all of your fruits and veggies organic in a capsule so you don't crave after carbs and sugars nearly as much throughout the day because diets don't work but if you go over to freedomblends.com right now you can check out all the line of products you're gonna love it and one last thing the american Mutso show is now on all podcast platforms so it's not just Rumble Channel that I have, but you can go to uh, Spotify, you can go to Apple Podcasts, um, it's on all of them. So make sure to go there, listen to it, give it a review to help it up into the algorithm, make sure to share it with your friends. Joel Skousen, thank you so much for joining the show. I've I've been waiting to interview you for a very long time. We've been um, trying to meet up for quite a while now, and so thank you for finally joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, Eric, as I told my World Affairs Brief subscriber about your history and your standing up against uh, the corruption in law enforcement. Uh, I'm a big fan of yours as well. Well, thank you, Joel. I I want to get started. I want to start out with um, this. When somebody hears for the first time, like I'll, I'll I'll talk to people that are starting to finally wake up and I'll say, you know, like the globalists, like the deep state, um, like um the new world order. Do you know anything about that? And, and a lot of people, they don't know. So maybe let's start there. If you want to just pretend somebody's just barely waking up and what would you, what would you tell them about this, this deep state kind of cabal? Well, what I would generally tell people is that <clears throat> the deep state is the enforcement arm of the larger globalist conspiracy and the globalist conspiracy is a conspiracy to take away national sovereignty and individual liberty and force us all into a militarized global government. And they do that through creating crises, mostly war, in order to provide a, quote, solution that you wouldn't ever accept uh, without that. I mean, trying to sell Americans or even British people and joining an EU-style global government is a non-starter. Nobody wants to do it. Who wants to go to Brussels and litigate a, a wetlands violation by the you know, International Criminal Court? I mean, it's just Americans won't tolerate that. But if you, if you build up two enemies, Russia and China, over a period of since World War II, and that's what our our government has done is give aid and trade and, um, and military technology to these two nations. <clears throat> For example, we gave Russia during the Nixon administration, when Henry Kissinger was the uh, national security advisor, we gave Russia the miniature ball bearing equipment so that they could merv their missiles. That means throughout more than one warhead, 
you know, from a missile. You've got to have miniaturized ball bearing gyros in those to guide to guide them. And they didn't know how to do that. They couldn't create the miniature ball bearing gyros. And so Kissinger and talked Nixon into giving that to the Russians. And since then, of course, we've been under massive nuclear threat from the Soviets, all thanks to a Republican president who was trying to please the globalist and a, and a globalist uh, uh, national security advisor. So right now, you know, we have a deep state which controls a great deal of the bureaucracy in government. Um, the intelligence agencies are all controlled by the deep state, the FBI, the CIA, the DEA. And that's why in this government, you know, they they do their legitimate jobs with a lot of people from BYU and other white side type individuals. But there's a dark side to every one of those agencies as well that's done in secret. For example, they fight against the drug cartels and yet they import drugs as part. So, uh, you know, and this, uh, the FBI, of course, uh, goes after some criminals and then the FBI is a criminal organization itself going after a legitimate president by like Donald Trump. And the NSA spies on everyone, which is illegal, you know, to spy domestically, but they still do it and they cover it up and Congress simply has no power to, to get them to do otherwise. So in a, in a nutshell, the globalist conspiracy is one of three global conspiracies, not one. The Anglo-American globalists are our conspiracy that we're having to deal with. The other is Russia and China. They're separate conspiracies, in my opinion, run by direct revelation by Satan to the very top people, uh, promising them immunity and not only here on this earth, but also from the chains of hell. But the point is, the Russia and China are allied right now temporarily. They'll have, they know they'll have to fight it out eventually. But they're allied temporarily. It's essentially the globalists who have been promoting those two guys, those two conspiracies, because they want another war. The first two world wars, First World War and Second World Wars, were not capable of getting us into a, a new world order. Yes, we got the United Nations in World War II, but it has no enforcement power, has no essential military power, no taxing power, no regulatory power. And that's why they want a third world war. And in my opinion, it's going to start with a preemptive nuclear strike by Russia and China on U.S. military targets, not cities. U.S. military targets, and then that allows our government to blackmail us into submission to a, a militarized global government. In other words, if our military is decapitated, we have no choice but then to join a militarized global government, and Americans would just say, do what it takes to save us. You know how what happened in 9-11, you know, you just let the government do what they want to do. So that, in a nutshell, is where we're going with this globalist conspiracy. So those that say that, you know, China is pulling the puppet strings of Biden, that's not necessarily true. It's absolutely not true. Biden is 100% a puppet of the globalists who put him into office, who control him, who control everyone around him, who write the script. Now, they don't care if he takes millions of dollars from China. They don't care if Hunter got a million dollars from the mayor of uh, Moscow. They don't care even if China thinks they own Biden. He doesn't, you know. And that's what China's going to find out if they ever try to pull a string. He's run by the globalists, not China. But there is a corruption link between the deep state as, and, and these puppets. And they'll take money from wherever they can get it, from Ukraine, from China, from Russia, et cetera. They'll, they'll take it. So, Joel, one has to ask, like, well, everybody asks, how 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 close are we till till things really really start to unravel in your opinion well i don't think things are going to really go bad until this world war 3 comes along and my projection is this will take till the middle of uh, the or this the last half of this decade so somewhere in the 2027 range could be anywhere from 25 to 30 when russia and china are both ready now remember Russia is now in Ukraine uh, been taken down conventionally. They're very weak in terms of conventional forces. Uh, and so, but they're the strongest nuclear forces in the world. But they cannot occupy a country if they were to nuke it. 
In other words, the country could simply rebuild afterwards and then come back and get them. So you see, they have to wait for China, who does have the manpower to occupy nations, and it's got the Blue Water Navy to transport that manpower around the world. And uh, China is in Africa. It's in Latin America, every place. Um, it doesn't control the United States, uh, but uh, China is a very, very powerful uh, enemy, the, the one that will really do the most damage, in my opinion, after the nuclear strike, which will be 90% Russian. How long have you been, how long have you been tracking this? Like when, did, when, when would you say that you, uh, have you always been awake? Like, how, was this in your teens, twenties? Uh, how, when did this like really, when you started to find your specific mission? Well, it actually started when I was 17 years old. Uh, I, I read my uncle's book, The Naked Communist. And that was disturbing in and of itself about communist influence in the Roosevelt and uh, Truman administration. But what I noticed in reading that was that there were a lot of non-communists in the State Department that were protecting the communists from being fired during the McCarthy era, et cetera. There were government people who were not communists protecting the communists. Those turned out, that I found out later in life, uh, to be globalists. People like Alger Hiss even went and joined the Communist Party so that they wouldn't think anything of it when he would do their bidding. Oh, he's one of us, they would think, but he wasn't. You see, and that's what's happening to China and Biden. China may think Biden's one of us, but he's not. Uh, Kissinger, for example, when he gave away everything in the Vietnam uh, Peace Treaty of Paris, he told them secretly to give us three years before you take back. And it was almost three years to the day before they invaded South Korea. And that's when he gave up, which had nothing to do with the war. And he gave up. Taiwan's seat on the Security Council or in the UN and replaced it with Red China, all the while knowing that Red China was capturing and taking away from the Korean War and Vietnam hundreds and hundreds of American prisoners that never were repatriated. A lot of those went to the Soviet Union as well. This is real traitorous stuff. I just got done reading a book called uh, Soldiers of Misfortune. Uh, and um, a great book on research on all the probably 20,000 soldiers at least that have been taken that were not given back by the Soviet Union at the end of World War II that were kept hostage and went to the slave labor camps and a few of them are probably still alive. But the cover-ups of our American government trying to make sure that the American people don't know about that is just incredible. Wow. This is so... It, just listening to this, it's so unbelievably overwhelming just because we're we're living in it. It's like it's right here in front of us. And so I want to get into like, what do we actually do about it? You have three amazing books that I want to talk about. You have Strategic Relocation, you've got Secure Home, and then High Security Shelter. Can you just kind of give a little bit and then also tell people how to get um, how to get these books? Why did you do these books? Um, what um, what prompted you to do these books? Well, I'll start with that last question. <clears throat> when I was 17, uh, after reading Clem's book, I decided, you know, there's a bunch of traitors in our government, and this isn't going to turn out very well. I designed my first high-security home at 17 years old. It was the first home I ended up designing and, and having built here in Utah for a client, uh, but I designed it at 17 years old because I knew that we were going to need survival residences because there was going to be war and betrayal and, and those types of things. Now, I, um, I first wrote, the first book I wrote um, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I was a fighter pilot for the Marine Corps and uh, didn't get along with the military bureaucracy uh, and the corruption. Uh, it was endemic to that. When they came back from Vietnam, I joined my squadron just as they came back and they brought with them all of their filthy habits from, from Vietnam, you know, uh, things that they do with the wives don't know about. They wanted to continue, uh, you know, with stag parties in the, uh, in the military and I refused to go along with it. So my career in the military, even though I was top rated pilot, didn't last very long because I wasn't going to go along with the moral corruption. But I got out of the military and um, I wrote my first book, The Secure Home, uh, in 1979. It's been published ever since. It's now in its fourth edition. 
Um, and that's everything from A to Z in preparation, everything from design, construction, fortification, generators, solar, uh, food supplies, uh, uh, bulletproofing, walls, windows, and doors. I cover everything in there, plus a huge appendix. It's 700 pages and uh, is, a, is a great resource. I did strategic relocation, which is my bestseller in the year 2000, because I was one of the principals, along with Gary North, in warning people about the Y2K crisis that eventually was coming. And I, I did take the position that I thought the government was going to fix most of those things. I had about five major um, problems, electronic problems, and air traffic control, and other things that happened at Y2K when switch over to the year 2000. And when I was doing interviews with Gary North after Y2K, a lot of people would call up and say, all right, I, I didn't follow your advice. I went and sold everything. And I went out to the boondocks and I'm now out of money and it's very expensive to be self-sufficient. So what do I do now? And so I said, well, you've got to go back and reestablish your financial lifeline and do it right again. Uh, you know, and uh, and Gary suggested, he said, you know, the reason I've had you on these programs, Joel, is you've designed high security homes all around the nation and in Central America. And you probably know more about the country than anyone. So why don't you write a book on where are the best places to, to go relative to what's happening? And so strategic relocation analyzes all the factors you need to know about relocating for security, not only, uh, you know, crime in cities, uh, ecological things, uh, pollution, corruption, uh, uh, traffic. I, I rate at least 20 areas in each particular state and where each state rates gun control, medical freedom, uh, whether or not you can homeschool or not. Everything is in strategic relocation. But more than that, I give an overview of the threats, which aren't in my other two books, the threats of this war that's coming that you need to prepare for. I talk about how the global up Russia and China and how they are looking the other way. Well, they're actually attacking Russia now and they, they started doing that early. I predicted that they would do that before World War II. They would switch from helping them to attacking Russia and China. They would have to do that so they don't get blamed for the war. But they started early on Russia because they used that as a way to go up against Donald Trump, falsifying his relationship Russia. And that's how they got on the other side of Russia earlier than what they were anticipating. But really in any quick, case, really um, quick, how did how did Donald Trump get in office uh, with the election system that it is? Was it? Do you think it was a total mistake? Do you think they just weren't watching close enough? Um, what is your take on that? Well, there was a great deal of dissatisfaction with Washington. And the normal amount of vote fraud that they were capable of doing without computer fraud was about 10%. They thought that was going to be an. Mm. Enough to defeat Trump, and it turned out not to be enough, so that, et cetera. But it wasn't such an overwhelming rejection of Hillary Clinton that Trump won. And, you know, she had prepared this lavish uh, celebration. She thought she, she'd been assured that she was going to win. It was a shock to them all. You could see it on the on the faces of the newscasters. They were just morbid. It was just, this isn't supposed to happen. You know, we're, we control this stuff. Well, they do now, you know. Now that they've got computer vote fraud, uh, which they pulled out in spades uh, against Trump, um, it's and it's they can make it disappear, you know. They they can alter the computer programs and get a certain result and then make the, the program disappear. So it's almost impossible to trace now. That's how good it is. But anyway, strategic relocation is for those who are going to remodel, add on, and build a shelter underneath and add on. I recommend that everybody have a high security shelter, not only because of being fallout resistant because there is going to be a nuclear war, I'm 100% certain. Uh, and people, you know, are not that concerned because the media isn't concerned. They aren't beating the drums, but mm. you watch. When it's too late to prepare, they'll start to beat the drums of, uh, you know, a day or two before the war and then be too late. But the big thing is this war is going to be preceded by an EMP strike. 
which is going to, and only Russia and China can do this. It takes 10 or 12 nuclear weapons all over the U.S. and Canada to take down the entire grid. So forget about North Korea, forget about Iran. Only Russia and China are going to do this. And about 15 minutes before a nuclear strike on military forces, they're going to take down the grid. And um, so you have to be prepared for massive social unrest and probably famine for up to a year because we don't stockpile any of the high voltage uh, transformers that transform the thousands of volts on long distance lines down to usable 240 volts in your city. And so they're all made in China, by the way. And of course, in a war with China, we're not getting anything. So I think it would take a year without electricity for the U.S. to rebuild the infrastructure uh, in a peacefield manner to be able to start to produce those um, huge transformers to get the grid back online. Wow. So one one of the reasons why you need a high security shelter is not just against protection against fallout, but you need to hide, be able to hide yourself and your food storage or your self-protection means, weapons or ammunition, because you don't want to be shooting just starving people. You see what I mean? You just want to disappear. You want to get into a concealed safe room that they can't find and they can't break into. Leave your door open, let them pillage what little bit you have upstairs and move on. But, you know, people don't realize that you can't build those types of things just in an instant, when you see the crowds coming down the road, you've got to do this in advance. And fortunately, most people in the area of your broadcast, Utah and Idaho, have access to basements. Almost mo- most homes have basements. And you can convert a basement, a portion of it, into a high security shelter using my book, The High Security Shelter. And it has actual architectural plans about how to do it and what kind of equipment to put in and how to do even concealment several schemes on concealment to uh, hide that room so that people can. On a low end budget wise, what do you think that would cost on a low end? Well, the lowest end you can do is to not have a secured room, but just actually to take some concrete block and make a U-shaped enclosure in your basement up to about six feet, put a couple of pieces is a plywood strong enough to hold the block and put concrete block over the top that you can do probably for 500 bucks okay nobody's got the excuse for not being able to do that but to actually make a concealed room if you do it yourself and you should do it yourself because if you hire somebody done they're going to be knocking on your door someday wanting to be Mm -hmm. in that shelter you say and that's you know the high security shelter book is a do-it-yourself book it shows you how to do that Everybody can really do those things fairly, you know, masonry and laying block is not that difficult. Um, Probably, you know, you're looking about uh, $20,000 to do one of those shelters. Mm. If you do one from scratch from an addition to the house, or you put an addition to your garage and drop a basement before, you know, with a poured concrete, you're looking upwards of $75,000 to $80,000. So you can see doing something in the basement at about $20,000, including equipment, is is the way to go. Yeah, and if there is no basement, uh, then what? Well, then I recommend you probably move to a home, um, you know, while you can, uh, move to a home that does have basement potential. potential. Um, it's just like I'd say in strategic relocation, if you're within 10 miles of a military target like Hill Air Force Base, or Dugway, et cetera, then you need to move. Don't build a bunker. Don't build a, a bomb-proof thing, which will cost you an extra fifty dollars or $60,000. Move. You know, it's not too late. We've got probably three or four years before this war comes. Nobody knows. Uh, but I'm just saying you've got time to relocate and move and get into a home that's got a basement in it where so do you think that boots will be on the ground from China and Russia in the United States at some point? I'm not sure. You know, nobody in their right mind wants to invade a country with a multiple billion arms in private hands. It's a recipe for guerrilla war. 
from people like yourself who are law enforcement trained or military trained and have access to uh, assault style weapons, it would be a nightmare for anyone to evade. Now, China could possibly invade the West Coast of California. That would serve them right. Selling, you know, the Long Beach Harbor to the Chinese uh, shipping company. But uh, I doubt if we're going to see a mass occupation of this country. And the Russians wouldn't even try. It's too far away. And they don't have the Blue Water Navy to do it. This is good to know. Because everybody speculates, right? This is really good to know. I would like to, if it's all right with you, just switch gears a little bit on the spiritual side. Because that when you talk about... um, kind of prophecy and you talk about preparing spiritually i love it because i think that you're spot on with a lot of things and so um what are your thoughts when i say when when you tell people okay we, we need to be prepared physically and now spiritually where do you go from here well the first thing i tell people is you've got to toughen up we are a soft society um you know we just everything in the dominant church in Utah and Idaho is about comfort and you know it's okay you talk about unconditional love which is a false doctrine there is no unconditional love the highest love of God is dependent on your performance doing what's right and you could tell that in your conscience and I spend a lot of time talking about conscience because that's where the real test of life is taking place those little promptings that you get to get up on time or to not eat that second helping or not buy that junk food when you tell those thoughts to get lost, you disregard it. You're telling the Lord to get lost. And, um, you know, I had an epiphany one time as a as a young man, and I pictured myself going up to heaven and embracing the Savior like everyone talks about. And he holds up his hand and says, stop. Before you embrace me, you have to tell me why you told me to get lost 150,000 times. And, you know, we say, wherein did I tell you to get lost? Well, when I prompted you not to, you know, uh, do this or, you know, not to say that or not to overeat or when I prompted you to exercise and you said, I don't want to do that. He prompted you to lose weight. and You didn't want to do that. Oh, was that you? Of course, you see. But you see, everything in our conscience comes in our own voice. Sounds like ourselves talking to ourselves. But if you're if you're careful. You can understand when something comes in that you don't want to hear. That's not yourself talking to you. You don't tell yourself to to do the tough things. You tell yourself to do the easy things. But Mm -hmm. the Lord is the one who's after you to tell you to do the tougher things. He knows that we need to toughen up. We need to learn to discipline our children. We're terribly undisciplined uh, parenting in, in this nation. Very, very soft. It's almost considered child abuse to spank. Um, nowadays. But I went from teaching my children absolute self-control from about the ages of, you know, six months to three, three years, three to four years when you can at best start to listen to conscience as a kid. But you see, conscience is so easy to disregard. I think it's important to teach kids absolute self-control when they're young. None of this count to three before you expect them to obey you. You know, if I called to, you know, a little boy, you know, and said, come. And he said, what do you want? You know, he had a freight train coming at him. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time he ever refused to come. Now you say, well, that's the old Marine Corps guy, you know, running his house by force. Well, I'll tell you, which is better to cure the problem the first time so that it never comes up again or to keep giving them time and time again, and you never solve the problem. You have these uncontrolled, worldly kids that have no self-discipline. The reason I expected my kids to really learn self-control is because conscience is so easy to disregard. You've got to have a tremendous amount of self-control to kick yourself in the pants and do what you know you should be doing. Hmm. That's part of toughening up, is learning to overcome our weaknesses. You know. We come from a pre-earth life, and that spirit world is all around this world. So people get infected by what they see going on in the world as spirits. Ooh, I want to do that when I get, ooh, I want to do that, you see. And that's why certain kids come down and have these proclivities. 
Some are worldly, some are naturally more spiritual. That means that they were listening to the real voice up there. But this whole notion that we are all pure and sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ, listening and agreeing, you know, it's just baloney. We were, there's, you know, what you see in the differences of people here, that's the kind of differences were there. It wasn't just one big Sunday school going on up there. I mean, listen, Cain came down. He was part of the two-thirds that agreed to come. But the Lord told Cain that thou were, that was you were perdition before the world was. Perdition. Thou art master mayhem, and you will rule over Satan someday. You see, he made a pact with Satan to come down here to the earth. Wow. So you see, that, that, proves, that proves that we're not all all goody two-shoes before we came here. And that's why people are just resistant to truth here. Some people are naturally leftists, want to control people. Some people are evil, the Hitlers and the Stalins of the world. They just weren't gospel-oriented children in the pre-earth life. This is nonsense. People are proclivities before they came here. And that's why it's so difficult to change. So, the self-control, iron-willed self, the voice of conscience. Frequency, it can't be packed into by the world. It's a spiritual frequency, and there's only a receptor in the mind that receives that. But Satan can also talk to it. And you know what Satan is saying when, like, you're prompted, you know, to get up on time, and immediately you get this feeling, oh, no, that's okay. Okay, you can do it later. You know, you're too. Uh, you get all these excuses. This battle going on in the mind about wanting to do something. Don't take the second. Oh, it won't hurt. You can lose weight later. You know that interplay going on in the mind is Satan or his forces, whoever is assigned to talk to you, knows you just as well as the Lord does, and he's going to counter and he's going to play up on your weaknesses and get you to stay the same and to resent any notion that you should change. Um, that's why there's such a hostility in the world about judgment. Oh, don't judge me. Critical. And the Lord is critical. The Lord is judging us. And this whole notion of unconditional love is a satanic doctrine because it indicates, oh, there, you'll be all right. There's, mm. No matter what you do, God loves you. So you're never out of favor with God. That isn't true. Anybody who's got a conscience knows and when you decide to do something wrong, you get very, very strong guilt feelings from the Lord. You are not getting feelings of approval unless people talk you into it, like this BYU student who got done with a class from some professor preaching unconditional and said, oh, this is wonderful. God accepts me just as I am, you know, and loves me just as I am. And that just isn't true. I mean, why else is he prompting you to change if he accepts you as you are? So these are strong doctrines that people don't want to hear. But I'll tell you, we're running into a world when that electricity goes out for a year and you have people not listening to conscience and starting to pillage and murder and rape and steal. I don't believe, Eric, that the world is ever going to be the same again, ever. When you have a year without electricity in that Mad Max scenario, the the feelings of resentment, the feelings of, of vengeance, the feeling of get even, the, the lack of forgiveness will just be so hard to overcome from people who have done things to you. And I think the days come when the when evil will start to fight against evil. I don't even think whoever starts this war between the globalist Russia and China, I don't think it'll ever be resolved. I think that evil will just start to fight against evil. And that's why Strategic relocation is very important because the big cities will be a mess. You won't be able to stay in the cities. You have to be prepared to go someplace where there's safety. And those are going to be rural places where you band together with other rural people, uh, which, uh, you know, the, the typical criminal element doesn't. What is, what is your thought come out about our own, what is your thought about our own government, um, our own military martial law type thing. I, cause what I've been thinking, and I hope that I'm wrong is when all the food stops, the electricity stops, the diesel fuel stops, they try to do some type of a martial law here in the States. What is your thought on that? 
Well, you know, to have martial law, you still have to have a high degree of order. Policemen and military people have to feel good about going to work. And if there are mobs coming down the street, I don't know many policemen are going to abandon their families to go to work. I don't know. And same with military people. A lot of them are going to want to go back. Now, there'll be some people that are on deployment or out of military, away from their families, that are going to follow orders. But, you know, what do you do? You don't run around and just shoot people. They won't shoot people now who are pillaging, let alone in a chaos situation where you can't control anyone. I just don't think. Remember, martial laws, you have checkpoints and roadblocks everywhere and showing your passport and everything. But, you know... What do you do with a whole mob of people when the whole city is just roving, trying, checking for passports? Come on. Who cares about anything? I'm hungry, man. That's right. That's that's what I've been thinking of. I've been trying to get people, I've been trying to tell people for the last, I feel like this is such a blessing right now to be alive right now where we have everything and we have the time to prepare. Like it is such a blessing. And so, um, please you guys just go and look at his stuff how how can they find joel how can they find you i know that you have a um the world affairs brief that you do how can how can people find you so that they can start to study all the things that you uh, bring bring out well that's my full-time occupation now uh, is writing the world affairs brief it comes out every friday i analyze the world events from the aspect of what this um, secret combination of power is doing to us. Um, and um, it's at worldaffairsbrief.com. You can get a free sample copy by simply going to the website and clicking on request a sample in red on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, by the way, is one of my finest essays, which is on the still small voice of conscience. It's about 26 pages long, and it will teach you everything that you need to know about how to listen to the voice of conscience, how to develop the self-control, how to teach your children to be disciplined by listening to their conscience, how to discipline in that way. It will change your life because you'll never be able to disregard those voices in your mind again because it will refresh your memory of what they're there for. Now, my other website website is joelskousen.com. Skousen is S-K-O-U-S-E-N. And that's where all my books are found, Strategic Relocation, The Secure Home, and um, uh, High Security Shelter, plus a, a small preparedness pamphlet called 10 Packs for Survival, 10 Areas of Stockpiling that You Need to Do, plus a, a, a dynamite barter list at the end on what to stockpile for bartering. In terms of financial preparation, I just want to say, I don't, if you're depending on pensions or salary or whatever it is, it's going to be gone when there's no electricity. Nobody's getting a salary. Nobody's getting a pension. The stock market is going to zero. And if you're in cryptocurrency, there's going to be no internet. Forget it. You're not getting anything out of your crypto. If you have stuff stockpiled in Switzerland or the Bahamas or any other so-called safe heaven, you won't be able to get it. So you have to have within your own safe room of your house, you have to have your valuables. And I think one of the most important things is to have about three months of actual cash, even though we're losing about 15% a year in inflation. When the grid goes down, they're not going to be printing any more money. There won't be any hyperinflation. It's going to be what cash you have on hand. And people recognize that. The second best would probably be silver dollars. But my brother, the economist, gives people silver dollars as tips when he's in a big city. And more and more often, he has people say, what's this, man? What's this? I don't know. You know, They don't know what it is anymore. So don't expect to get full value if you're trying to convince somebody a silver dollar is worth 30 paper dollars. And worse yet, if you have a, a one-ounce gold coin worth $2,000, try, try to get changed for that. Not going to happen. So if you've got a, you know, money and investments, I would get out of stocks and, and try to make yourself self-sufficient for money, meaning stockpile all the things that you normally use so that you don't have to go to the store anymore when the grid goes down. You've got your food supply, you've got, but also nuts, bolts, screws, glues, uh, you know, light bulbs, toilet paper, all the things that you normally buy, buy extra of. 
so that you eliminate your future need for money. That's the best thing you can do for a real grid down and chaotic war scenario. Obviously, nobody knows. Nobody knows when God's finally going to come, but we all believe this. When do you think that time from electricity going off, whether it's an EMP, whatever, when do you think that between those two times before God finally comes, what's the time period if you were to guess? I know that this, I know it's not a, well, Joel Skousen says this. I'm just saying if you were to guess, what would that be? Well, I think it comes after the war. The war is essential to kind of um, separate the good from the evil. And one of the key elements of separation is the formation of a new Jerusalem, which is to be a safe haven for those who are pure at heart. It's going to be very selective. It's very interesting, this, uh, this safe haven, the new Jerusalem is in the state of Missouri, northern Missouri, Independence, Missouri, on through uh, far west Missouri. And um, it has to be cleansed before that. And that means there has to be major destruction as well as I think there's going to be more bioweapons. I think the plagues that are prophesied in the scriptures are not God-determined plagues, but he unleashes the evil that men are planning right now through the Wuhan lab and the other hundreds of labs, bioweapons labs that the U.S. and Russia and others in China are operating right now, creating horrible weapons. And I think they'll end up cleansing a great deal of the, of the world, uh, plus war. That's how a lot of the depopulation will occur. But um, I think that the war is the crucial thing that causes the great separation in society, meaning that, first of all, most conservatives work in the big cities because that's where the jobs are. And we're always a minority in the big cities, even in Utah. Good people are a minority in Salt Lake City because it's, you know, going to be prophesied one of the wicked cities of the world. It already is. And all the big cities are controlled by Democrats, which are socialist in, uh, in their, their orientation. Um, but when this EMP strike comes, there'll be no more jobs in the cities. And that means people are going to flee the cities and go back to rural areas. And that's where there's going to be this first part of the separation. But I believe that when this, and the purpose of this third world war, by the way, is, and the purpose of our own government allowing the nuclear first strike to fall without intercepting it. And we don't have any capabilities, by the way, of intercepting hypersonic warheads coming in. Uh, our interceptors have no warhead on them. Uh, they have maybe a 50% kill rate under ideal testing requirements. Against hypersonic warhead, forget about it. You're not gonna stop any of those warheads from coming in. Now, um, I do think that the, the, the globalists are not stupid. They're not going to absorb a nuclear first strike. And by the way, the purpose of that is so that they can come out of their bunkers and they built marvelous bunkers to prepare, knowing that this war is coming. They're just not warning the American people about it. When they come out of their bunkers, they'll say, we didn't know this was happening, which was a lie. Um, the reason they were in their bunkers is because they knew it was coming. Uh, and they have spies in both Russia and China. They'll know when this strike is coming, but they won't tell us. They want the maximum amount of panic because they'll say, now that our military has been decapitated, the only way to protect ourselves is to join in a militarized global government with other non-communist governments. And that's what exactly what will happen. And I think, by the way, the new EU army that is secretly being formed in Europe is going to be the seed stock for the militarized global government. Um, so. But I don't think the globalists are stupid enough to absorb a nuclear first strike and not be able to win the war. It's my hypothesis, I can't prove this, but I, I just have some evidence that I think the U.S. has defensive weapons in space already that are capable of taking down any missiles incoming in their boost phase when they haven't separated the warheads. That's when they're vulnerable if you launch an anti-missile at them in space, 
In other words, I think they built the brilliant Pebbles system, you know, during the Reagan administration in secret. Now, here's my evidence. I only have one piece. General Mattis, after he left the government, spoke at the Booz Allen Annual Financial Conference, which is a closed conference, but someone leaked out of it that he said, you'd be surprised how many trillions are going into space that are not on the budget. Now, what's on the budget? All the reconnaissance satellites, all the GPS satellites, all the military spy satellites, everything, all the, that's all accounted for. The space, it's all on the budget. So if there are trillions going into space that aren't on the budget, I think that's got to be space-based weapons. Now, because I think they know that Russia and China do not want to destroy the nation they want to blackmail it into submission. They want Lebensraum. They want living space. China can't grow any more food in China. It's mostly desert. They're out of space to grow food. and They cannot grow or expand anymore. That's why they'd like Canada and the United States for its food growing, among other things. So I think the West knows that they're going to throw a preemptive nuclear strike and then blackmail the West into submission. So the West has to have some way to say or thumb their nose at the blackmail. And that is, we're not going to accept it. And if you try to shoot any more missiles, we'll shoot them down. They won't tell them how, but I think it'll be space-based weapons that'll shoot them down and stop it. That gives the globalists time to regroup under a militarized global government and rebuild the conventional forces that it'll take to then... Uh, win the war at least. And I think Russia actually will be the one defeated. I don't think you can defeat China necessarily because of all of the, you know, the huge potential armies that they've got. Uh, but I think they may make a deal with China to betray Russia, you know, just like the West made a deal with Russia to betray Hitler and win World War II if they make a deal with China to betray Russia. But in any case, I think because we're dealing with evil systems that China will never be at peace again and the West will always be in a warfare status. And that's why you eventually have to flee because I think, this is part of my prediction, I think when we get into a global government, the global government will start to come out against those of us who believe in conspiracy, those of us who believe or that are conservatives and religious and they will say, for example, well, these people are not supporting the war. They're not letting the people be drafted, et cetera. They, we need to lock these people up. Or they could say, for example, we will have a new citizenship, a world citizenship, and everyone must agree to be a loyal citizen to the global government. And anyone who refuses won't be able to be a doctor or a lawyer or a corporate head or that's basically would be a mark of the beast system. You don't take the citizenship. You don't get to buy or sell and everything might be controlled. And in that case, they would say, you know, we should probably lock those people up. So in essence, I see a, a time when the, the really good people will have to flee even these places that we have for our own safety to get through the war. I see ourselves having to flee to the wilderness and then be guided by the Lord to get to the new Jerusalem, which will be wiped clean, according to Brigham Young. You know, there won't be so much of the do white, uh, yellow dog to wag its tail in Missouri. And that means that there's a lot of destruction, a lot of cleansing going on. But in the, in the LDS church, there is this avow movement, which is about, you know, dreams and visions. And it's an unfortunate movement because. People, instead of thinking for themselves and getting real inspiration, keep waiting. Who's having the latest dream and vision? You know, and the problem is that they're all over the map. A lot of them are all based upon last days. And so they attract the conservatives because these are dreams about the last days and hardships. But they're filled with falsehoods, which means they can't be from the Lord. In fact, you never know. And that's why I've never been prompted to ever tell about a dream or vision that I have had, because you just never know if it's deception until it comes true. And so you keep it to yourself. And then you avoid the dependency problem of someone setting themselves up as a receptor of revelation and causing a great deal of confusion within people. 
But there are a lot of people in that movement who think there's going to be a call out from the heads of the church calling people. And that's absolutely impossible. Why? Because how would you do a call out? Would you have the home teachers come to them and say, you're on the list to go to the New Jerusalem and you're not on the list? That's not the way the Lord does things, you see. And if you did a call out with the yesmanship in the church, everyone saying yes to the leaders, everybody would try to leave. And the Lord can't have that. Because he's got to separate only the pure in heart are going to be allowed to get there. So, so I think, in my opinion, you get driven out. You get driven out even by your fellow Mormons who are mainstream because you believe in conspiracy. And, uh, and so, you know, that's why it's very possible that the main body of the church may not even know the, the new Jerusalem is being built. Because you've driven out the faithful. Joel, I could talk to you. We're, we're going to do round two. I can guarantee you. If I can steal another hour of your time, we're going to do round two. Um, can you give Can you give a message of hope? That was a lot. That was that was heavy. That was really heavy. What is What is your message of hope that you can give to people that just listen to that? Well, my message of hope, and, and you know, I'm not a depressed person. Number one, I'm prepared. And number two, uh, I'm a tough individual. I know I can handle anything that is thrown at me. Uh, you know, even if it's death, I can handle that with a plum. Uh, I've trained my children to be tough. My children are all conservative. They've all been homeschooled. Uh, they aren't following the things of the world. I can depend on them. We have, you know, I have a network, informal network of friends. We don't meet or anything, but I know who I can trust and they know who they can trust. And that's the kind of thing that is going to survive. Uh, I'm not looking forward to these heavy times. I'm thankful every year that goes by where we have more time um, because, you know, my children need more time. And so I'm not optimistic, but I'm not depressed because I know that when you do what you're supposed to be doing, and I try my very best to follow every prompting of conscience that comes, that when you do that, you merit the blessings of protection of the Lord. And so I, I intend to make it through this, and I'm not discouraged about it. It's gonna to be tough, but I'm prepared. And uh, that's why I encourage people to toughen up, get strong, so that you're prepared and can look forward to this and say, we can make this together. Joel Scalzen, everybody. Joel, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Good to be with you, Eric.